0: Hello, I'm Father Dan Ceratori from the St. Benedict's Catholic Community in Burwood and welcome to our podcast. We hope you are blessed by this homily recorded at our 5pm Sunday Mass. May it enrich you and may it inspire you to embrace more fully the love, the life and the mission of Jesus. Enjoy. Fight the good fight of the faith and win for yourself the eternal life to which you were called. Did you know that as a Christian you're called to fight? All of us, of course, fight various battles in life, don't we? Often we fight for things that in the end don't matter too much. But St Paul's assures us today that there is a good fight. There is a fight that is worthy of our effort. It's worthy of our energy. It's ultimately worthy of our life. I want to reflect a little bit today on this fight, and I want to consider two key questions. Firstly, what is this fight? What is St Paul talking about? And secondly, I want to reflect a little bit on why this fight is so important. Why are we called into a battle as Christians? What difference does it make to our lives? And my prayer today is that all of us leave this church not only with a new awareness of the spiritual battle that we're all in, whether we realise it or not, but uh, that we leave here with a new fighting spirit, a new new desire to engage in the battle. I'm going to focus today on this gospel, which, like last week's gospel, uh, picks up on this theme, this tension, really, between temporal riches and eternal riches, a very common tension in the Gospel of Luke. In the story we heard today, we have a poor man whose name was Lazarus. Lazarus was not only poor, but he was repulsively poor. We heard how he had sores all over his body, and the dog would come up and lick his sores, And he was so desperate for food that he, he longed for the scraps from the rich man's table. Then, of course, we have the rich man who, interestingly, doesn't have a name. I don't have time to, to, uh, to reflect on that. But there's an important reason why he doesn't have a name. And maybe after mass, you, you, you guys can kind of chew it over yourselves. The rich man, the story goes, Used to dress in fine purple and uh, sorry dress in purple and fine linen and feast magnificently every day. Both of them died, and both of them went to a place which we call hades and, and Hades was uh, like an abode for the dead. It was a waiting place right It was where the, the people who died would wait for the redeemer, and both of them were there. But, as is very clear in the story, there were obviously different departments in the 80s. Because the poor man went to the bosom of Abraham, right? You got this beautiful uh, sort of image of intimacy, of warmth, of connection. The rich man, on the other hand, went into torment and agony, what we would talk about as hell. We don't talk about hell too often. I'm going to talk about it tonight. But before we do that, I thought we'd just... Remember last week I shared a few of children's reflections on heaven from that book? There's a few here on, uh, on hell too. So I'll just... Uh, they're actually quite insightful. Uh, Somalia says, They have something called hellfire and brimstone, and it happens in the bottomless pit. No thanks. Shana says, are there different places in hell if you were just bad but not terrible? <laughs> <laughs> the first question that we're supposed to ask in, when we're hearing this gospel is why. Why did the rich man go to hell? Why did he go to this place of agony? The better question, though, is not what did he do to get to hell, what didn't he do that led him to this place of torment. Just as we heard in the first reading today, the issue with the rich man in the gospel is not so much that he was living an excessive life. It wasn't so much that he, he had a, a life of luxury. The issue was that he became lost in his excess. He became blind to the needs of others to his responsibility to be a steward of what God had given him. You know, hell in the scriptures is often portrayed by fire. But it's important for us to recognise that that's probably a symbolic image. A more accurate representation of hell is not fire, but isolation. That's the real agony. Isolation from love, from one another, from God. The reason why the rich man found himself in hell was simply because during his life, he acted in ways that were opposed to God, opposed to the way of love. In the psalm today, we see quite clearly that the ways of God, the way of love is the way of justice. The psalm says it is the Lord who is just to those who are oppressed, who gives bread to the hungry, who, who sets prisoners free, who gives sight to the blind. He raises up those who are bowed down. He protects the stranger. He, he, he upholds the widow and the orphan. You know, in Luke's gospel, we, we're given this idea of reversal, that in the kingdom, uh, all that is unjust will be reversed. The poor will find true wealth. Those who are bowed down will be raised up. God is a God of justice. So, so what is it that we're fighting? Well, St. Paul would say and says in the, in the letter to the Ephesians, he says that what we're really fighting against are spiritual forces of evil. Now, that sounds a bit intense, doesn't it? I don't want to get this out of context. It's important for us to remember that, that this world is full of goodwill. There's so much beauty and goodness in this world. But at the same time, the scriptures are very clear. Jesus is very clear. And if you ask me, you only have to look at the past 100 years uh, to see very clearly that there is a spiritual force at work in the world that is coming against us in all kinds of ways. It's a force that wants to convince us that we know best. A force that wants to convince us that we should take the place of God, that um, our comfort, our pleasure is of primary importance. It's a force that wants to um, that that uh, inflicts us with, with what I call the tyranny of the M's. Life is all about me, 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 and more, more, more. That's what this force is trying to convince us of. It's the attitude it's trying to engender in us in all kinds of ways. Ultimately, it's a force that makes us blind to, to truth. It's a force that makes us blind to injustice and, and to realizing how we so often we're walking right by injustice, or even worse, contributing towards it. That's what we're fighting against, a spiritual force. St. Paul says, the rich man, he saw Lazarus. He even knew his name, but you see, he didn't really see him. He didn't see him with the eyes of God. He didn't see him with the eyes of compassion. He didn't see him and think, well, there's my neighbour who I'm called to love as myself. He saw, but he didn't see. He was so blind. He was so blinded by this force of evil, let's say, That he he didn't even give him the scraps from his table. How blind is that? St. Paul is saying today that you must fight this force. You must. You can't be idle. He says, aim to be saintly and religious. What does it mean to be saintly? Well, one thing it means is to see what God sees. To see through God's eyes to care about what God cares about. I've asked the band to play a song tonight. One of the the, the lines goes, break my heart for what breaks yours. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. When was the last time you wept for someone that's lost or broken or hurting? Sometimes I'm ashamed of myself. I think, God, why don't I weep more for those that are hurting around me? Yeah, I do stuff for people, but give me your heart. Break my heart. So I feel what you feel. Maybe not fully, but just a little bit. I can't handle too much. <laughs> what St. Paul's saying to us today is that this will not come naturally to us. We've got to fight for it. We've got to take initiative. We've got to pray that our hearts would be broken. We've got to get out there among the people, among injustice, and understand rather than just judge, rather than just look from a distance. So that's what we're fighting against. The next important question is why. Why do we have to engage in this fight? Well, the story goes on. The rich man is in his agony and he says to Abraham, please send someone to my father's house because I've got all these brothers and I know they're going to end up here with me and I don't want that. And it's fascinating what Abraham says. If they will not listen either to Moses or the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone should rise from the dead. In other words, when the me, me, me and the more, more, more has taken over, it's very hard for God to do anything because we're we're fixed, we're hard, we're closed. Abraham says, "You see, between us and you, a great gulf has been fixed." And by the way. It wasn't God who fixed the gulf, it was you, through your decisions, through your injustice. You have created that gulf. See, we need to remember that our souls will live forever, for better or for worse. C.S. Lewis, the great professor and, uh, and author, he said it like this. It's not a question of God sending us to hell. In each of us there is something growing which will be hell unless it is nipped in the bud. Now, look, St. Paul's not talking about achieving perfection before we end this life, but he is encouraging us and insisting that we need to do our bit to nip our injustice, our lack of holiness, our lack of saintliness in the bud. We need to take initiative. We need to fight. The reason we need to fight is because what we become here and how we live here really matters. We we eternalize the state of our soul. Willie puts it best. He's the last one from this book. You have an eternal soul, so you've got to take care of it when you're alive. It lasts a lot longer than you do. That's profound, huh? We've got to fight for it. This gospel, which is really talking about the reality of hell, <laughs> is supposed to shock us out of our blindness, but it's not supposed to scare us. I don't want any of us leaving here rattled today because fear never changes our hearts, truly. Fear does not lead us into the kingdom. Only love can do that. Some of us might think, well, this whole teaching of hell, it really puts a question mark over God's love for me. But I want to suggest the opposite is actually true, that facing the reality of hell... it it not only assures us of God's justice and that our suffering has ultimate meaning, but it also helps us to realise the extent of God's love, the price that he paid for us. You see, in a moment we're going to pray the creed, and in the creed we say he descended into hell. He took on our agony to liberate us from it. Can you see how hell makes us appreciate how good God's love is? It's awareness of that love that changes our heart, gives us a heart of justice. So I've, I've briefly reflected on, the, on, on what the fight is and, and why we should fight. There's one more important question, and that is who? Who are we fighting for? That's a question I can't answer for you. Only you can answer that. Who do you have at your gate at the moment? Who is it that perhaps you've been overlooking and what's, what's one thing that you can do for that person? What's one way that you can live out God's justice towards them?